Uh, so how do you want to start this? Yeah, this is probably like every first podcast episode ever where people are going, yeah, exactly. well, what are you, you going to do? Are you going to do it? What are you, what are you gonna, what's going to happen? <laughs> Wait, what's the plan? <laughs> we haven't figured out our outward facing podcast approach. Right. Yes. I think um, what it would be. So, so I guess what this episode is, is uh, two movies that don't seem like they have anything in common, but there are some interesting uh, crossovers. So I don't know if that would be the theme for the whole podcast, but that's definitely the theme for this episode, right? Right. And are we calling it like Father, like Son, like movies, or are we calling it something I, else? I like that personally. What do you think? I like it. Uh, I think that's a good title. Because I came up with it. so Because um, <laughs> it's your idea. Because it's my idea. So I love uh-huh. it. I okay. It. All right. I think it's a good title. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So right. this is like father, like son, like movies. We're podcasting. Oh, yeah. I'm the father. And I'm the son. Yeah. Stuart Feldstein is mine. And name. I'm Sam. And we sound exactly the same as people would like to tell us. So you probably won't I'm, be able to tell. Who's I've been told that on the phone a number of times from people who know you that I sound, that yeah. I sound like you. So that'll be Especially over the phone. Yep. Maybe when we play it back, we won't be able to tell who's speaking. And maybe every episode we can have a contest and uh, prizes for people who guess who said what. <laughs> who's speaking right now? <laughs> Is That's it Sam? Funny. Is it Dad? Okay. So the movies are Cutter's Way and The Big Lebowski. Uh, the Big Lebowski, you know, obviously we'd both seen that before. Um and that's something we've, you know, I, th- I feel like we've probably both seen that movie uh, too many times, yes. um, if that's possible. But um, Cutter's Way was one that you had told me about. When when did you first see Cutter's Way? I was first it recently saw- or had you seen it earlier? No, I had seen it before and I remember being puzzled by it. Um, okay. But I had seen it, I don't know exactly when, probably in college. And okay. uh, just so the audience gets the idea, uh, I am... Um, in my, well, I'm just about to turn the big six zero. Whoa. Whoa. And Sam, you're younger than that. I'm younger than that. (laughs) So, um, I would say, yeah, my college days is probably when I saw Cutter's Way. And I actually first learned of it through like a lot of people who were movie fans in my generation, uh, would have learned of it through Siskel and Ebert. Uh, okay. Because Siskel and Ebert did um, a review of it. And right. um, I remember at the time, it was not a very uh, widely seen film. It was it was a below-the-radar kind of release. Uh, right. But it was very critically um, respected. And so um, I did always like to seek out uh, films like that when, when I could. So at some point yeah. along the way... Uh, that's when I would have seen this film. Yeah. Um, you were in Chicago at the time then. I was you were in college. That's correct. I probably, yeah. again, I can't really swear to it, but I probably saw it in Chicago on a, okay. Where would you, where, if you, assuming you saw it in theaters, where would you have seen it in Chicago? Well, in, um, Hyde Park, I went to the university of Chicago and in Hyde Park, there was, um, a couple of ways to see relatively recent releases. One was called doc films. Doc films was the, on-campus film society uh, and they would show like recently released films but kind of on a second run type of uh, situation so maybe you know a few months after they were released in theaters they pretty much disappeared from theaters then doc films could get 
some of those releases okay. and show them uh, at the campus uh, uh, you know, venue where they, where they would put on all their films. I doubt I saw it there, um, but um, that was one way to see a movie in Hyde Park, Chicago. And the second way, uh, well, there were, th- I guess, more than two ways, but uh, Hyde Park also had a um, movie theater. Um, mm-hmm. which was on 53rd Street and Harper, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of the th- I think maybe it was called the Hyde Park. And uh, so they would have first-run movies there. So I could have seen it there. Um, okay. I could have. I did, No, I probably didn't. I wouldn't have gone. There were three movie theaters in downtown Chicago at that time. One was the Chicago Theater, which is today still – uh, in business, but not showing movies. It, it does like uh, live shows, concerts, oh, stage okay. shows. Live, live venue. Yep. Mm-hmm. Beautiful old, mm-hmm. you know, grand theater. Then there was one called the State Lake, which was at the corner of, yes. Uh, I, I don't know. The so Lake? State and Lake. Um, so the State Lake Theater. And then there was a third one down there. I don't remember the name of that. Anyway, those were the three downtown theaters um, where you could see first run mm-hmm. films. If I had to guess, if my life depended on the answer to the question, uh, I probably saw this on VHS. Okay. VHS. Wow. I remember those, actually. And had you heard of this movie before? Um, no, never. Didn't even know it existed. Um, didn't know it existed. Uh, you told me about it. I watched it. Um, I wasn't, my first reaction, I wasn't puzzled by it. I did like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and. It occurred to me while I was watching it that it uh, has some weird similarities to The Big Lebowski. Just like, you know, nothing, um, I don't know, I guess nothing too literal, but just some um, some symmetry going on there. So uh, just, I guess, a quick overview of what I mean. So first of all, you have um, Jeff Bridges, obviously, in both movies. Um, and they um, were released 20 years apart or so, like give or take. Um, so you have Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges in both roles. And in both roles, he's friends with a war veteran who is also crazy. <laughs> and they're trying to solve a mystery together. Um, and so that to me was just hilarious that there, the, these, there's like this one like really obscure movie. Uh, and then there's The Big Lebowski, which is, you know, I guess less obscure. Um, but they have these, just all these weird crossovers. And I thought that would be kind of a fun topic just as an excuse to talk about each of them. Uh because you know, we both as a way in. we both love both of them. I don't know if love is the right, right. term for Cutter's way, but uh, highly admire it. I think it's uh, you know I will uh, go all out and say it's one of the best American movies I think that's ever been made. Um, wow. Yes, hot take um, on Cutter's way, but um, it deserves to be more widely seen than it is. And the Big Lebowski is just so close to my heart, your heart. Um, yeah. You know, we could we could draw comparisons from Big, Big Lebowski to probably any movie. Maybe that should yeah. be this podcast. It's like everything it's that just the Big Lebowski relates to. to the Big Lebowski. <laughs> every movie, movie relates to the Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's what this is going to turn into. Absolutely. <laughs> But it was uh, Avengers, a, Avengers Endgame and the Big Lebowski. And the, the Big Lebowski, yeah. There's got to be a connection. We'll, we'll That'd be great. Out. Yeah, we'll was, find it if it's there. It was such an obvious, I mean, it was such a genius uh, observation on your part that <laughs> these these are almost the same movie. Um, with, uh, In a way they are. They're they're, all, they're really similar plots, and I just thought that was I just thought that was so funny yeah. when I realized that. Uh, yeah. Was an amazing observation. So, did you watch them again for this podcast? 
Yeah, I actually watched them both today because I didn't have time yesterday. So I just wrapped up The Big Lebowski. Oh, so fresh. Um, a few minutes ago. Yeah. And it works yeah. as a double feature, doesn't it? Yeah, I would say so. If we operated, if we operated an art house theater, this could be a double feature. Which yeah. um, did you watch first? I watched Cutter's Way first. Oh. Um, so did I. There wasn't a lot of rhyme or reason behind that, if only because uh, – the Big Lebowski is funny, and the Cutter's Way is not funny. Not so. Funny. <laughs> I decided to. I decided to uh, save the laughs for last. I guess. I mean, I didn't necessarily consciously have that in mind, but I thought I'd watch the older one first, and then the newer yeah, one. Second. Also, yeah, also so. a reasonable way to approach it. So, I guess um, in that spirit, should we just start with talking about Cutter's Way? Well, first, I um, want to hear. So we, oh, yeah. we asked about when we saw Cutter's Way. So what about Big Lebowski? When did, when did you first hear Oh, that? you know what? I could not tell you, but I was probably, you know, 13, 14. I showed it to you probably. Well, yeah, I'm sure you did, yeah. but it, it had to be around that age. What I remember, I remember it as, and I'm sure it wasn't like literally overnight, but I remember in, in my head, it's like I turned 13 and you guys were like, watch whatever you want. <laughs> and before that. <laughs> And before that, it was like, you know, very strict, you know, uh, not a lot of violence, not a lot of um, profanity and what, you know, whatever else. And then like after, once I turned 13, I feel like it was like all, all bets are off. Yeah. I, you guys let me watch whatever I wanted. Yeah. I don't remember making that, that, that going. conscious decision, but yes. Uh, yeah. That's just what it felt like, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a truncated sense in my head. Yeah. I think I showed you, I don't remember what it was, maybe good, the bad and the ugly or something like that. And, uh, all of a sudden you got a voracious appetite for violent, bloody movies. That's what you used to say. <laughs> Let's watch a violent, bloody movie. Um, which I guess we expanded to also profane movies like uh, the big Lebowski. Or the- well, that must be, that must be it. Right. Because I'd been sheltered up until that point. So it was like a whole new world for me. <laughs> it's like when, it's like when Catholics go to college, <laughs> You know, oh boy! But um, yeah, I think I saw Big Lebowski. Um, actually, I do remember. I I don't remember exactly where I was, but I would know I was away on a business trip, and I had a, oh, okay. a free night, nothing to do. It was playing at the theater down the road, so I said, "Oh, I'm going to go check this out because it sounded interesting, like the Coen Brothers. Like you know, it was written about at the time, like a Raymond Chandler type of a uh, spoof, right? And Right. And and can I say this to you? I was also puzzled after my first viewing of The Big Lebowski. Was both, oh, I definitely was. Yes. <laughs> both of these films just flummoxed me when I first watched them. Absolutely. I, the Big Lebowski, I don't remember specifically, but I, I can tell you that I walked away from my first viewing of the movie going, I don't get it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get this movie. I don't know what this means. But that's a really, uh, for me, has been, a, that's a, like practically a motif and with my history of watching Coen brothers movies, that's how I felt after, I mean, that's how I felt after hail Caesar. And I was, you know, in my twenties when I saw that. Yeah. So, I still don't get hail um, Caesar. So that's actually one of my favorite Coen brothers movies. We'll have to talk about that sometime. But, yeah. um, the point being, I had to watch it. The big Lebowski came in a couple times, uh, before I, before I came to, uh, to really love it. But so yeah, puzzled. That's a good, yeah, huh. I agree. So they're mm-hmm. both confounding. They're both they both have similar plot uh, elements, and and actually thematically they're quite similar in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, because there's uh, they both deal with 
uh, like these overarching, like the power of money, basically, and the power of like powerful figures who are pulling the strings. And then there's these, you know, just regular people who get caught in the middle kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But you've also got idealists, you know, running into people that have checked out or people that are, well, it's funny, you know, and I guess we should say we're spoiling everything, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100% spoiling these movies. Go watch them if Mm -hmm. you haven't seen them. Yeah. Uh, you really owe it to yourself to see Cutter's Way, and why haven't you seen The Big Lebowski by now? But, um, but yeah, it's almost like Richard Bone is a nihilist. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, because the movie starts. Yeah. He's you know got this chicken bed. He's he, he gets out of bed. He's you know he's pretty sleazy. Doesn't want anything except money from her. He has no, you know, feelings about anything. He makes it clear that, you know, he doesn't care about the fact that, you know, he was in the proximity to where a dead body just got dumped. He, he just, he just couldn't, he can't be bothered. He just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. He, he, uh, I think in the, it's too, you can't really speculate about, um, what happened in this character's past too much. Cause we don't get a lot of information about that, but he definitely seems like somebody who actively avoids getting emotionally involved on any level with anybody yeah because that's kind of his whole deal is he he can't commit to anything like he doesn't stay in one place for too long um his only the only constants in his life are these two people that he's fallen in with yeah who he seems to have known for a long time yeah uh that's that's the i guess the impression that i get but you're talking about cutter and cutter's wife mo right yeah he doesn't he doesn't want anything to do with uh he doesn't want any responsibility he doesn't want emotional connection um so yeah i think his his way of looking at the world uh is is fairly nihilistic at least in in the sense that he doesn't want to have to believe anything because that would come with responsibility to then act on those beliefs responsibility and emotions and connections and ties and he's not into all of that until the very end of this movie when all of a sudden he's he something happens that makes him care Um, right um, right but he you know so so you've got nihilists in both movies there's a connection (laughs) yeah yeah i've never i mean it might behoove me i guess to look up the literal definition of nihilism but to me the way the the depiction of nihilism with the big lebowski is like such a brilliant skewering of the idea of quote-unquote belief in nothing yeah it's just to me it's just such a funny like because you can't exist and believe in like to me that's just a ridiculous proposition and i know that's not necessarily what it's always meant philosophically i'm sure there's a most new more nuanced kind of take on that but i think like as a popular if somebody like says oh i'm a nihilist it's just like i don't i can't take that seriously and that is so goofy yeah and the way and, and so that completely aligns with the way that it's depicted in the big lebowski as these like these people who are wearing these weird like skin suits and <laughs> i don't know it's just that that to me to me that that's just such a brilliant take on, on uh <laughs> that whole the the idea of Oh, we we don't we don't believe in anything. It's just uh, that cracks me up. We I just want the money, Lebowski. We just want the money. Well, but then of course they do believe in money, right? So I don't know. There's some kind of connection there, right? And and Bone believes in money because because he needs right. he needs money because his car's a piece of crap. Oh, they both have crappy cars. That's another. They both have cool. crappy cars. There's <laughs> another one. And they both play sort of you know minor pivotal roles in the story. <laughs> 
that's right. That's right. If it wasn't for Bones' crappy car, he wouldn't be in the jam he finds himself in. When you know what, I'm starting to think. I'm starting to think that the Coen Brothers saw Cutter's way, yeah, and they said, "I've got an idea." Yeah, we can turn this on its head. We can do something with this, you know. And what for if, all we know, that's exactly what happened. What if Bone moved to L.A., changed his name, and uh, you know, pretended to be character. a uh, yeah, he became a became a stoner, ex hippie. <laughs> Put on a few pounds, switched to white Russians, grew, grew a goatee. Yeah, just kind of dropped out, man. Got took a different, got a LeBaron. Took up bowling. That's great. Yeah. So you've got Bone. Oh, and I was going to say, you know that Cutter's Way is based on a book called Cutter and Bone. I do. Yeah. I actually have that book on my Kindle, but I haven't read it. I have a book on my Kindle, and I haven't read it. Oh uh, well, that's probably why I have it. I'm guessing because you bought it. Yeah, because I wanted to. I mean, I, I I am so taken with this film that I did want to uh, go to the book and and uh, check it out. But I, maybe yeah. that would come up with more you know background to this character than we get in the movie. But it doesn't suffer for not having that. I don't think. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's a pretty immediate story. Everything happens, you know. Yeah. Um, pretty quick. You get you get drawn into things pretty quickly. They don't they don't really dwell on the past too much. There's hints of it. Yeah. Um, but it's just enough for you to understand that, oh, these people have a relationship and, yeah. uh, you, you get the idea from there on. It's not clear how, yeah, Bone and Cutter became friends or, no. or acquaintances, except that perhaps Bone and Mo had a thing at some point. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they were, uh, romantically in, well, so after they do, they do end up sleeping together, um, in this yeah. movie and she implies after the fact that they had not done that before is the impression I got. So yeah. I think maybe it was like, Oh, you know, might've been kind of a thing if, if, um, she hadn't gotten with Cutter. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's like the saddest character in cinema. Don't you think? Yeah, that is, yeah, that's a really depressing. I feel every scene that she's in is just like soul crushing. Yeah. If the movie has a weakness, yeah. I would say it's, it's that character because she doesn't really get much to do other than be sad and die. Yeah. She, <laughs> she's just who they come home to. That's kind of her role in the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. doesn't have as much yeah. to do with what happens. She's her death is obviously, you know, take plays a role, but she just doesn't have a lot to do other than be sad. Yeah. And that's like, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, I guess it's hard to write, uh, a depressed character because a lot of times the form it takes is the person doesn't want to do anything. And so <laughs> you've, you know, I don't know how you approach that as far as, uh, you know, giving someone agency who's suffering from a condition that kind of robs them of that. But right. the, uh, I guess that's just, you know, a story decision, you know, but she serves to kind of anchor them. She sort of tries to be there. Um, I guess she, she tries to, you know, she tries to talk them out of the blackmail and, and she tries, she's, it, she kind of keeps them centered. She keeps them grounded, especially Cutter. Yeah, you know, she's kind of she's kind of his connection to reality. And you know, once he doesn't have that, obviously, that's when you know that's when things get really bad. Yeah, their love scene is also like one of the saddest love scenes ever put on film. <laughs> I was sort of- you're talking about um, you're talking about Jeff Bridges and Mo. Yeah, and what is her name? We owe her that. That dignity. I don't know that actress's name. I, I can't. Cutter's way. I don't recognize her. I'm not sure I've seen her before. Lisa Icorn. No, that's yeah. the sister. No, yeah, that's her. Lisa Icorn. Yeah, I never. I don't know that I've seen her very much either. Um, no, I don't know who she is. No, she's a writer too. Apparently, that's mm. cool. Okay, um, so Lisa Icorn. Yeah, the love scene with her and Jeff Bridges. Yeah, like saddest thing ever. Yeah, that that was just. Yeah, again, soul crushing. I, I 
yeah yeah <laughs> it's hard to watch it's hard to watch this movie yeah you've got yeah the, so they they're almost like you know three points in a triangle you've got bone who doesn't want to have to you know anything bother him you've got cutter who you know we need to come to in a, in a second here who's cares you know very deeply about things and then you've got mo who's kind of she used to care but you know she's just been so beat down by life that you know she can't find it in herself anymore. Right. And she's let down by all these people around her. And then the the final straw, it's implied the final straw is kind of um, when Bone um, or Jeff Bridges walks out on her, you know, and she's let down for like the final time. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe she starts the fire, maybe the fire, because they, they also cut to the fireplace. So maybe, you know, right. the gas fire just caught and the house burned up. We don't really know. We don't get that closure, but it's, it's completely within the realm of possibility, I guess, that she um, killed herself. And it, probably one of the things that confounded me about the movie when I saw it, but there's not a lot of resolution to mysteries. Right. It, 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 it's structured like a mystery. But there is no real resolution to mysteries in this film. It's yeah. very deliberately ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still kind of don't you think? Don't you think it would be? I mean, it wouldn't work the way it does though if there were res- if if things were tied up. I think that's the that's I think that's very much an objective of a movie like this is to portray a world in which we do not get answers. Yeah. Because that's so often, especially when it comes to things like government cover-ups and um, paranoia that this movie deals with mm-hmm. that's like totally real i mean historically anyway yeah those are really really there's a number of real examples of you know cover-ups and things you know people don't get answers and um you know we're not always privy to um all the information that we would like to have and um, we want explanations but that's just not the way things work a lot of times right um and i think that's a central goal of this movie is to portray is to portray that world. I think you're right, and also it isn't. You're, you're correct. Neither of these movies is about the mystery as much as it is about you know how people interact with them, and and you know that kind of brings brings us I think to the character of Cutter, who's played by uh, an actor called John Hurd, and I think you know I've seen John Hurd in a few things. The the one that I can uh, recall to mind most easily is. Cat People. This was the the, mm-hmm. re, the remake of Cat People in the eighties, uh, and then he, I think, he worked all the way up until his death. He uh, more as a character actor or a supporting actor, but this is one of his few lead roles, and he is fantastic in this role. He's great. Yeah, yeah, he's unhinged. He's, <laughs> he's he won't shut up. <laughs> it's just a really remarkable characterization of a guy who is so completely convinced that the haves have done every dastardly deed that he people like him have you know suffered in the world and is gonna and and this incident this the death of this girl that bone is briefly interrogated about is going to be the inciting incident for him to you know exact justice right on the world well i think the way that he acts as a foil for jeff bridge's character is um, we already talked about Jeff Bridges as this sort of um, person who he, he doesn't um, he actively avoids having any kind of um, like creed or code or philosophy. Um, he doesn't want to believe in anything. And Cutter, I feel like, is at that point, but desperately wants to believe something. Yep. Uh, and I think that's where his conspiracy mindset kind of takes a hold is because he so desperately wants to for things to make sense. Yep. He, 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 he has to have that. And I don't know anything about the psychology of people who believe in conspiracy theories, but I would imagine there has to be some factor to it of the world making, the world doesn't make sense, but this 
theory makes it make sense. Right. And that's why you cling to it. So, and, and that's kind of who this character is. He lost an eye, he lost an arm, and he's mm-hmm. got a gimpy leg. leg. Like to keep talking about his leg, it's funny that I, I thought I kind of remarked on the fact that his, you know, he's got this eye patch, he's got no arm. And yet people keep talking about his leg. Like that's the worst thing that happened to him. Well, he could walk. <laughs> right. He seems to get around just fine. At one point he's even running. But, kind of funny. but every time his injuries come up, they're always talking about the leg for whatever. Yeah. They mention the leg a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. But Apparently he talks about his leg a lot. He does. He does. If Bridges is sick of him talking about his leg, he says so. And I know that in the book, he is a Vietnam vet. And I know that people right. writing about this movie talk about him being a Vietnam vet. But there was a moment in the movie, or a couple of moments actually in the movie yesterday, when I wasn't sure if he was really a vet or not, or if he was just saying he was oh, a vet. What, what gave you that impression? I always took it for granted that he was. Yeah, but it didn't. It wasn't till the end when the uh, bad guy, the, the, the rich guy, mm. uh, said, you know, tell, asks Bone, he's a veteran. And, you know, Bone says yes uh, he you know he not he he affirms that but earlier in the movie he said things like i saw the war on tv like everybody else like as if you know, it wasn't the war that did oh, this to him. That, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But I took yeah. that to mean he saw the war on TV before he went to war. Yeah. That's how that's how I understood that. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I think I'm wrong. But anyway, I just, there was a moment when I was not sure if he was supposed to be, you know, that was part of the reality that he had manufactured. Um, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 I guess, I guess I don't think, I don't think that's the interpretation you're meant to have because yeah. he's got the army jacket and um, obviously the injuries are real and, um, he's clearly suffering from like some sort of PTSD. Um, yep. so I, uh, I don't think personally that's the interpretation you meant to have, but, or that they intended rather, but he, and he also, he makes a lot of comments up at directed at Jeff Bridges. He kind of jibes at him for not, um, going to fight. Right. You remember that <clears throat> scene, uh, early on when bone comes into the bar and, and cutter makes a racial slur mm-hmm. and, and bone calls him on it. And then cutter says, you know, is that what you said to those guys that stole your about like those guys that stole your car? Or are you, so he's, you know, there's definitely a lot of love hate going on there. Um, yeah. he's, they need each other. They like each other, but there's, they don't necessarily, uh, it's, 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 do you have a relationship like that in your life? <laughs> somebody that's that antagonistic yeah, uh, I, yeah I can't say I do I can't no, I say I do this is definitely uh, 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 and both of these movies really are um, they, they feature these these groups of people these these I guess you'd call them you know they are friends they're, they're practically family just given the amount of time they spend together but it's kind of an all they're all that the each other had like they don't have anybody else and so they just all happen to be to be super reliant on the on each other and none of them are very reliable no no they all to some degree need each other but it's by the end of the movie you're wondering if they would have all been better off if they didn't hang out together uh right because because what happens is Bone um, gets his car, his shitty car dies in an alley. Um, another car pulls up behind him and dumps something in a, in a trash can. Bone starts to check it out, but then it starts pouring down rain. So he turns around and, and heads home. The next day, the body of a girl is discovered in that trash can. The police come to his house and take him in for questioning because his car was parked nearby. But anyway, he gets home from uh, the police. They you know turn right around and go to this... Uh, this old Spanish days parade. And it's uh, during, in that parade when bone kind of makes a mistake and, you know, blurts out that he thinks he sees the guy that dumped the body. And that's all, right. the cutter, 
all that Cutter needs to like go on this crusade. Right. He, uh, yeah, he puts that out there and then Cutter just kind of latches onto it. Yeah. Yep. And he can't let go for the rest of the movie. Yep. And in the next scene, Bone's trying to take it back. He's trying to put that genie back in the bottle, but it's too late. Right. Right. But he can't do it. So it, it really sets up this dynamic between Bone, who doesn't want to care about anything, doesn't want to get involved, doesn't want any entanglements, attachments, emotions, responsibilities, and Cutter who's trying to fix the world and use this as an opportunity to get justice for the things that happened to him and and make the the rich guys pay. And so in that dynamic, it doesn't really matter who's right and who's wrong. Things just progress to a point, a pretty tragic ending. Yeah, it's interesting how uh, both of these, both the Big Lebowski and Cutter's Way take place uh, while they're both framed by different wars. So Cutter's Way is the Vietnam War and um, the Gulf War is going on in the Big Lebowski, but um, Walter in the Big Lebowski is also a Vietnam veteran. Yeah. So that actually has both wars influencing it, which is kind of interesting. It's another and and yet another similarity between these two movies. And it's like you said earlier, thematically, I think that ties them together because they both become about uh, what was all. They both ask these questions, or the characters rather ask these questions of like, what was it all for? Like the the um, Walter and Cutter, the veterans in these movies are very much wondering what the point what the point of it was and they're trying to justify it to themselves in any way that they can mm-hmm. yeah the the veteran characters have uh well they're both damaged i mean walter not physically but certainly <laughs> emotionally he's a loose unit he's a little damaged and um they both you know have have clarity you know in their minds they have clarity about how things work and and right and wrong and, and good and evil and right and that's what you know, drives the uh, the plot in both movies, and also the the buddy, um, you know, Bone and and the dude, you know, are acting as a as a restraint on that, or in the dude's case, not so much of a restraint as more of a just a just a reality check. But yeah, they they're they're very much about. I think you know if you can you know take the Big Lebowski seriously because it's a hoot, right? It's uh, yeah. I don't think necessarily the Coens intended anybody to take any part of that movie seriously but uh you know as as a theme you've got you know what 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 does it take for somebody who uh is checked out doesn't really care to make them care what does it what does it take to bring them out of that shell right right yeah i think cutter's way asked that question more than the big lebowski the big lebowski is more the dude is more of um he's not checked out so much as he is just go with the flow just go with the flow right he's very much like he you know don't worry about things you can't control uh and i was thinking about um sort of uh if that movie had i guess like a if you could sort of sum up what it was about in one sentence i think it would be something about just sort of appreciating what you have you know not trying to too hard to uh, or not being too dissatisfied with what you have because it doesn't lead anywhere it doesn't lead anywhere good and the dude is like he embodies that kind of super zen like you know very content all I ever wanted was my rug back kind of a thing. Right. He didn't want very much. And he used to remember he was, he was a uh, college activist. Um, right. He, you know, got involved with, you know, a lot of countercultural activity, protests. He occupied administration buildings. Right. He said, There's that line. He's not occupied various administration buildings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, <laughs> at one point he, you know, was idealistic and then the drugs right. at some point took over and uh, as, you know, I guess, the apathy did as well. By the end of right. by the end of Cutter uh, Cutter's way, uh, Bone uh, has has decided that he needs to take a stand, and does. Right. And the way I took that was because he it, because um, he had to make uh, Cutter's death mean something. 
Right. So again, probably a pointless question, but at the end of Big Lebowski, does the dude change? I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't think so. No. I, think he, I think he stays exactly the same. Yeah. He's taking her easy for all our, us sinners. Yeah, right. Yeah. The dude abides, all that. Yeah. yeah. But I think you could no. say that the Big Lebowski's, you know, the shared, the, the theme that, that maybe, you know, um, kind of echoes from Cutter's Way is, you know, you've got to have an ethos. Right. You can't have yeah. you can't have nothing. You gotta have any. Right, because according to Walter, nihilism is worse than Nazism. <laughs> <laughs> they both, you know, it's interesting how they both, you know, at the opening of the movies uh, invoke America. Because yes, in the opening credits to Cutter's Way, you've got the American flags, uh, you know, juxtaposed with the Spanish dancers in that Spanish Days Parade, and in mm-hmm. and in. Uh, the opening of the Big Lebowski, you've got you know that uh, that Western, the you know classic American Western song, "Tumbling Tumbleweeds," with mm-hmm. the inimitable uh, Sam Elliott, <laughs> yeah. uh, Western cowboy drawl. Yeah, they both invoke America, and uh, you also see um, President Bush on the TV. And the President Bush on TV saying, "This aggression will not stand, man." Right, just to set the scene a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What do you remember about President Bush? Uh, Bush Sr., what do I remember about him? I mostly remember Dana Carvey's impressions of him on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I mean, he was a one-term president, so I remember... Oh, that's right, he was. I remember he was in Japan and got sick and threw up on the Prime Minister of Japan. Uh, like on TV? Yeah, well, he was at his dinner. Yeah, he was on camera when it happened, but he was... He was on camera? Yeah, but, you know, give the, give the guy some slack. He was, you know, he was traveling. He, you know, had, yeah, no, right. had the flu. He was trying to tough through it, and he ended up puking on the Prime Minister of Japan. Yeah, that's how unfortunate that's is that? Very embarrassing, but... That's probably on YouTube. I think you could find it. I think you could find it. Wow. And then the dude, after he was not president anymore, he jumped out of an airplane. What do you mean? He was a genuine... Like on purpose? He was a genuine, you know, soldier. Um, he was a he was a military man, and... Uh, yeah, he he did some skydives, you know, in his uh, senior years, and that wasn't the first skydives he'd ever done. I mean, he he uh, did it to to celebrate his vitality. So he was he's he wasn't exciting, but you know, we could use a president like that these days. Someone less exciting. A less well, I don't know if a president Biden counts as exciting necessarily. You just need a less exciting. Uh, political uh, discourse, in my view. But anyway, that's not that's about all I remember about George Senior. What about you? Were too young um, to remember Vietnam, I guess. Um, yes, I don't really have uh, any real memories about that. I remember when they dumped the helicopters off the buildings into the sea of whatever it was in Vietnam when the Americans left. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really have a very good understanding of the war. I was what fifth grade. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's interesting that we're we're recording this on the Fourth of July. Yeah. Just because both these movies are very, um, in their own way, uh, anti-America. Not an anti-America, but uh, there's a lot of disillusionment, and they they take place during periods of great disillusionment with America, I think- Vietnam, and then Gulf War, um, and slash Vietnam, I guess, for the Big Lebowski. Yeah, I think they're trying to describe America. I wouldn't say they're necessarily anti-American, but they're trying to describe the American, you know, what what is the American character or the American condition. Um, And so, yeah, I think you can, if you wanted to do a serious reading of The Big Lebowski, that probably would work. Um, But Cutter's Way definitely is talking about, you know, the the state of America, you know, um, in terms of, you know, the 
uh, destruction of, of a moral sense and, um, right. you know, what it takes in order to, to bring that back and, and, you know, what the consequences of that could be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I think, as I said, I think, you know, you could look at Cutter's Way as one of the greatest films about America that's ever been made. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because it was made by a Czech. Right. Yeah. Ivan Pazner, Passer? Passer. Yeah. Um, right. But we have a lot of, interestingly, there's a lot of movies that I would describe similarly that are, you know, very spot on observational movies about America that are made by Czechs. Right. Um, oh, Czechs specifically. Yeah. I'm thinking oh, of uh, Hair, the musical Hair, if you've ever seen that movie. I've heard of it. Yeah. I haven't seen it. It's a great American film, again, about Vietnam, directed by uh, Milos Forman and uh, Steve Tisch made Breaking Away. Another great American oh, film. Oh, I saw that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A, great, mm-hmm. a great film about America, I feel. But then Ivan Passer, he, he made uh, a movie that I saw with George Siegel. George Siegel played a drug addict. It was very, um, very good film. Not, not very widely seen. And then he just kind of didn't do very much. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a very long uh, filmography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's... Uh, I don't know. That's, you know, pretty much, I think we've, we've, you know, pretty much covered it. I think they're, they are good films to watch together. They, I think you definitely want to watch the big Lebowski second for the reason yeah. you mentioned. Um, Just a little, you know, it'll cheer you up. Yeah. So you don't, well, mostly you don't end on a, on such a down note, but yeah. But if, if one person listens to this and watches Cutter's way, it's a victory because that movie deserves to be seen. Yeah. You love that movie. You said top 10. I yeah well I always say top ten but anyway um, it is a fantastic film I definitely put it up there four and a half five stars on Letterboxd it is really really good yeah everybody should watch it I guess as a a parting thought maybe I also there's another movie that I thought had a weird similarity to both these movies and that's the Fisher King the Fisher King okay Jeff Bridges so again you got Jeff Bridges kind of a dick yeah. Doesn't believe in much. Nope. Just wants to look out for himself. Nobody else. Yep. Meets up with a crazy person. Yes. Takes him on this adventure. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Maybe every movie is is every Jeff Bridges movie the same? <laughs> is every Jeff Bridges? But maybe we need to do this all just just Jeff Bridges movies. They're all the same. What else can we think of? Yeah. True Grit. True Grit teams <laughs> up with a with a crazy 14 year old girl. <laughs> Jeff Bridges has interesting films in his in his uh, filmography. Um, he He's one of the great. There's one I would like you to watch someday called Winter Kills. It's a wild film. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm always down for Jeff Bridges movie. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, should we do some kind of outro? What's our outro? I don't. Going to be. I don't know. I think we could just say see you on all later down the trail. And, yeah, that's right. And yes, or do our best Sam Elliott impression, which is not going to be good, I don't think. And get yourself some of that good sarsaparilla. Sarsaparilla. That's <laughs> Sioux City sarsaparilla. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, um, should anyone ever listen to this, thanks for listening. Um, this is Like Father, Like Son, Like Movies. I almost forgot the title of our of our podcast, well, but it's the first episode. Only the first episode, yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, definitely Wong It. Uh, Guess who said what? Uh, We'll be back with the same confusing voices. That's right. Cool. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you next time.